Hey everybody, welcome to Engage on UMFM 101.5 with your hosts Kate Jones and Josue DeVee. Today we have an exciting episode coming up. We're going to be talking to Kate and Kelly from Ray. Ray is a nationally recognized and award-winning nonprofit organization located here in Winnipeg. They support youth as ages 0 to 29 using integrated programs and services in a non-judgmental and inclusive space. So we're really excited to be able to have this conversation with them, learn a lot more about what they're doing in the city and what kind of work they bring. So I guess without further ado, you can go ahead and introduce yourselves and your roles at Ray. I'm Kelly Holmes. I'm the executive director at Ray. And I'm Kate Armstrong. I'm the communications manager at Ray. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I guess my first question would be is, when did Ray start? When did Ray start? So Ray was started as as another organization called Operation Go Home in 1994. It was it was a two person organization. Actually, one of them only got paid. The other one was a volunteer, and all they did was street outreach, and they were trying to repatriate runaway kids back home or to safety. And when I came on board in 2002, I was handing out the Operation Go Home cards and the youth were saying, well, why would I go home? I'm safer on the street. So it didn't take a genius to figure out it was time to rebrand and refocus. So at the exact same time, there was also a place called Powerhouse. And that was put together in 1981 to deal with the squeegee kid, quote unquote, problem. So the Powerhouse Board of Directors and the Operation Go Home Board of Directors got together and had a conversation, and the decision was to merge. We merged both of those organizations and became Ray. Ray was established in 2004, and we've been smoking it ever since. Just keeps, keeps on rolling. Okay, so you've been with the team since what year, you said? 2002. Okay, and then Kate, how long have you been with them? I started in 2016, so five years. Okay, sweet. So one question I have is, uh, what does this type of work take? Like, what does this entail every day, just on a on a day to day basis? If someone were to be getting into this, like, as a career, you mean? Yeah. Well, so we have a we have a real eclectic group of folks. I mean, Kate is an Asper's graduate, business student, formerly five-day person that actually helped support Ray through the years. So I, my first meeting with Kate was her as a student. Now she's working on her master's in uh, philanthropy and nonprofit leadership. Right. So that's just one person of 56. Uh, we've got, we've had, you know, people that are, that are in, you know, the arts, but social work and sociology and human ecology. We've, you know, we have uh, child and youth care workers we've had conflict resolution folks we've run the gamut it's uh this is a social justice movement more than it is you know let's go get a career in a nonprofit. i think i think that this definitely attracts people who want to change the landscape and so the work is hard and the pay is not always great um but it is rewarding uh, because we get we get to advocate and change the way certain things are done and to make i think incredible differences in people's lives on a daily basis. So yeah, if that's your question, I hope I answered that okay. Yeah, definitely. And if you would both want to answer, just personally speaking, what does this work mean to you? What does it mean to me? Well, I mean, it's been an extraordinary, wonderful job for me. I 
personally, I mean, this will be 20 years for me in February. I consider myself a founder of this organization. It's gone from an organization of four people to 56, and we're still working very hard. And I think we have made some massive changes. You know, as, as you mentioned in the intro, our reach is national. You know, we're seeing kids from all over North America, but also we're doing incredible advocacy work at different levels of government and and just, uh, you know, in the country. It's been an incredibly interesting career that's never been dull for one moment. I mean, there's been a number of different things that we have been able to do in, you know, with different systems. So we're working with justice and mental health and housing and, you know, street outreach. We do all kinds of research work. Now we're doing our own research in-house. So, you know, there's there's a number, there's a number of different ways we can approach the work. And so I think that's the buffet of wonderfulness that people can look forward to in this job because there's a number of different angles or takes on it. And if you find your niche within that, then that's fantastic. And you can. Oh, yeah. And I guess, wow, it's a big question for me. I, I, and I think that this resonates with a lot of nonprofit workers. I didn't necessarily, you know, set out to have a career in, you know, solving homelessness or, you know, in the nonprofit sector, even like Kelly mentioned, I was, I was a student at the Asper school and, uh, you know, this sort of changing the world stuff really touched my heart in a big way. And, um, Ray as an organization really captured my heart many, many, many years ago. And so the opportunity to work, you know, work in this field and be a part of that change was, you know, there was just no question about it. Of course, I was going to take that opportunity. Um, And it means it means so much to me to be able to participate in that, but also to learn just all the intricacies and nuances of how this how the systems work together or not. And and creating that atmosphere that, you know, understanding that it's so much bigger than a hot meal or a pair of socks. And that it it truly is, you know, if it was easy to change the world, we would have done it 20 years ago, if not longer. So, but I mean, it's also, you know, with that, it, it can also end. We can end it with the right motivation. COVID told us that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, again, it, like, I think, I think some big steps have been made over time and, and there's some structures in place that, that actually create barriers for us to get the work done in that timely way. There's lots of need out there and the need seems to be growing. And so we have to understand where's, you know, what's the downspell, what's making this happen, right? And we've identified a number of things that are, you know, agitators or catalysts towards youth homelessness. We just, we have to do better, but uh, we know what the facts are and we are able to, you know, speak truth to power in that regard. And, and they're listening. Yeah, <laughs> They're trying anyway. So, I mean, like moving a system is like moving a gigantic boat, but uh, at least we're able to talk to the boat. So it's going to move slow and we have to whip around like sea dudes in front of the boat and get stuff done in the meantime while they're trying to figure out how to steer the ship. Right. So yeah, it's, it's a hill to climb. We'll say that. Well, it's definitely good to see how passionate that you guys are, you know, for this business and for the work that you're doing within the community. I think it's super important to be passionate about it. And you can definitely see that with this conversation. Would you be able to expand a little bit on some of the programs and initiatives that you guys are currently offering? Yeah. Kate, I'll tell you right now. Yeah. So Ray 
operates in something that we call, it's an integrated youth hub model. Uh, so it means that essentially a one-stop shop, everything under one roof. So we do everything from immediate access to basic needs like hot meals, showers, clean clothes. And then we do intervention work like housing, mental health and addiction support. You know, our street outreach team is out on the streets building relationships. And then we're also doing long-term preventative work. So we have employment and training programs as well as cultural programming. We have healthcare, we have everything um, in a really non, really low barrier way. So it's helping youth access services easily, you know, building relationships with us so that we can help them find help them navigate their way through uh, complex systems. We're really non-judgmental. It's not a top-down approach. It's very shoulder to shoulder. We're not, you know, we don't have a checklist of things they need to accomplish. It's youth-driven, youth-informed, and uh, we're just going to try to help them figure out, support them in getting what they need, essentially. Sweet. Okay. And you mentioned briefly COVID-19. I did want to ask, when the initial lockdowns started taking place, did that become a a big barrier for Ray and y'all getting your work done as it did with other industries in that kind of sense? Well, you know, we're a crisis organization, so we were beyond ready for it. We sprang into action. I think that was one of our shining moments, actually. We were able to work with a couple of other organizations and come together and determine that there's about 200 youth on the street that we really need to get into shelter. This is when we didn't know anything about COVID or how deadly it was. And we're all, you know, we were, it was just, that was March, I guess. And so we got a hotel room, uh, we got a, a hotel, and then we got a number of rooms within it and we were able to get youth who don't have any access to news or or anything like that off the streets and into, you know, shelter, but not only shelter, but uh, safety. Um, and then be able to, you know, bring them up to speed about what's going on in the outside world, right, at the end of the day. So um, we we were ready. I, I, you know, I think we looked after our staff very well. We made sure that anyone with any autoimmune disorders and stuff were, were taken care of and there were some options to work from home for certain folks, but uh, the, the rest of the folks, you know, jumped on that horse and just dove right in uh, to really concern ourselves with the state of the most vulnerable in society who, who didn't even have a clue about what was going on at that point. So, yeah, we did okay. We did, and we're like, we're still in COVID. <laughs> so, yes, we've had to adjust and demand, and we had to, you know, reasonably work out what safety looks like to folks. And we also understand that connection and access is critically important to this, this population. And it's hard for, they, they don't all have computers. They, they aren't equipped to do Zoom. You know, what became very obvious very quickly is that not only do we have a housing problem, we have with COVID, food insecurity became the next problem. So we were, you know, we, we, we changed, we adapted, we pivoted to meet the needs that were presenting themselves through COVID. Lots of support, amazing support from community. Community, in times like this, we really pull together and uh, we share resources and help each other work it out in the best way possible so we can have the biggest reach that we can. So as COVID goes, we did okay, I think. You know, it's still a challenge for people and uh, it's still, a, it's really a challenge for those people that are you know, insecurely housed or, you know, have uh, pre-existing conditions of any kind, whether it be mental health or addictions or health issues of any kind, never mind just being in abject poverty, you know, with um, not being able to, 
you know, make the rent or they may, you know, get evicted because they don't have the income necessary or whatnot. So we're working with a very volatile target population that has got a, a ton of insecurities at all times, at any given time. And as Kate pointed out with telling you our services, we're able to respond in a number of directions for whatever, you know, expresses itself to us. So that's what we do. So yeah, we're still in COVID. Hopefully we can have our drop-in back soon. We're missing that. We're just doing it sort of in a drop-in light right now. But uh, yeah, it's uh, we're still we're still making connections every day with kids. So that's the most important thing. It's definitely been a roller coaster for so many community members as well as nonprofit organizations. But it's good to hear that, you know, you guys in your capacity have done some of the best work that you can and, you know, continue to look forward, continue to look towards the future. So that's really good to hear. I guess aside from COVID-19, you were speaking a little bit earlier on some barriers that you guys face. Um, What are some of those barriers uh, with COVID out of the picture? It's not out of the picture. So some of the barriers are, you know, there's still people on the street and we we want to be able to bring them indoors. And that's not like pre-COVID. We could have 60 to 80 kids a day through our drop-in. And that means a, a drop-in with dogs and whatever else. Like it's a, it was, a, you know, a wild scene where now we, we've got to socially distance and we've got to do things differently. And a lot of this population isn't vaccinated. We've got to, we've got to you know, some of the things that we do is provide access to knock down those barriers so that they are able to receive timely healthcare, timely mental health interventions, you know, food in the now because they're hungry now, you know, a shower, do you need to do your laundry, do you need some advocacy around getting a, a place to live, you know, all of those things typically happen inside. And with COVID, I mean, we've been doing a lot of out the door kind of youth care. I mean, in the parking lot, youth care, those kind of things just to socially distance. So, you know, those kind of things have strained us. And I, I get very concerned when the weather changes. We had a swelling of encampments this year, and now the weather's hitting again. So the shelters are also filling up. And, you know, that has its own set of problems as well, right? Like when people are not vaccinated in small spaces. And in fact, you know, you have to look at all of these things, right? So does that answer your question, Kate? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Great. On a related note, a question that we do tend to ask a lot of our guests is if all barriers that your organization currently faced hypothetically were all lifted, what would be some major goals you'd want to do if that were the case? Well, it's not barriers to our agency. I mean, these are societal barriers. You know, you want a wish list from me? I can tell you after 20 years, some of my wishes. One would be that every kid that comes out of care has the ability to cook three square meals a day, has ID has a bank account, has the ability to drive the driver's license, understands what rental tenancy is and how to be a good tenant. So they're able to navigate the adult life a little bit differently without supports, right? So that'd be one. I think that uh, I would like to give families more support so that they're able to keep stay together and learn how to be stronger and healthier families. I think that we need to focus more on that. I think we need to clean up some social housing and make it safer and healthier and uh, less violent, less threatening. Um, and I think that we need to provide different um, opportunities for folks. We need better access to mental health, mental health programming, as well as addictions beds and treatment beds. And every system who has governance over any person should have mandatory exit planning so people aren't exited from jail into homelessness or from treatment into homelessness or so forth. So so there's there's certain things that wouldn't take much to switch around the way our homelessness scene looks like, right, at the end of the day. We're also the child poverty capital of Canada, and we've been holding that record for years and years, and we need a living wage, rent geared to income. All of these things would support 
a better and healthier outlook for a lot of people that are struggling, you know, um, and there's simple things that wouldn't take much to that. We need more housing in the city. We've been asking for housing for my whole 20 years, for sure. Uh, not condos, not higher rents. We need affordable, accessible housing for folks. So, you know, those kind of things uh, aren't ray barriers. Those are, are barriers that are that every poor person, you know, faces in this city. And that's some of the stuff that we talk about very often. We write about, we put a plan together in 2015 and, and youth homelessness plan. And still, it's a living document. It can still work today. The answers are in there and they're kind of a no-brainer. So we're hoping that folks... Um, you know, we'll get behind us and, and support some of the stuff that we figured out through this time and this experience at work. Okay. How is that for an answer? Definitely makes sense. It was a great answer for sure. And like I said, we could just tell that you guys are so passionate about it. And it's good to have, I'm proud, you know, to call this my city, knowing that we have organizations like this, just doing their best work for our community members who struggle with those sorts of things. Thank you. What's the best route of action right now for people to support Ray? How can people help out and how can people support? That's you, Kate. Yeah, obviously we're a very caring city. And as Kelly mentioned, the weather is, you know, the weather is turning. Folks can donate online through our website at rayinc.ca. So R-A-Y-I-N-C.ca. We accept donations of clothing and footwear, especially at this time of year, winter boots, winter coats, things like that. Folks can uh, follow us on social media. Uh, we're at Ray Winnipeg for most things. But essentially, um, you know, having, having community support in a really meaningful way looks like kind of all moving in the same direction, that political will that Kelly mentioned, you know, we can make these changes. They just, you know, we need to, we need to all be, you know, rowing the same direction. So um, yeah, those are a few things that folks can do to support us. And yeah, the Winnipeg plan to end youth homelessness is available on our website, the one that Kelly mentioned. So I really think, you know, it's got a section at the end of like what different people can do. And it's not just what organizations can do. It's what anybody in the community can do. And it is, it is really, uh, you know, it might be from 2015, but it's still very, very timely. Sweet. Is there any particular events or, you know, maybe new programs or anything you'd like to promote, get the word out about? Yeah, absolutely. So coming up in December, there's an event called Hockey Helps the Homeless. Uh, it's in support of ourselves, Resource Assistance for Youth, as well as two other organizations in the city who are doing great work with in the homeless serving sector. So they're looking for volunteers and it's uh, there's a fundraising component. So again, folks can uh, check out our social media, Hockey Helps the Homeless and uh, get a sense of, of how they can volunteer for that. Okay, that's, that's awesome. That's really exciting to hear. And to anybody listening, please go and follow their social medias. Um, please go check out their website. And I'm sure, you know, don't be afraid to just even give them a call. And if you have any questions and, you know, I'm sure they can use the support. And I'm sure that if you want to access their programs, they're going to be there to help support you and get you involved. So please do that. One thing we like to do when we end off our episodes is we like to ask the organization or the person which song they would like to air after as this does go on the radio. And then that song will play after the episode. Well, I, I, I that was a good question. I like had 20 in my mind, but I thought I better not be greedy. So I this is what was the easiest that I could pull out of my brain. And uh, 10 years after you have that song, I'd like to change the world. How about that? 
Of course. We'll absolutely put that in. That sounds awesome. It's been a pleasure talking to you. We definitely learned a lot here and I'm sure that our viewers will learn a lot and, you know, be able to peek into what Ray does in the community, have a little more information at their hands and fingertips. So it's been very exciting. We're very grateful that you took the time out today to be able to talk to us. Yes, thanks for having us and awesome. say hi to Jared. He's like an outlaw to me. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> his sister, no, his wife and my brother's wife are sisters. Oh, wow. Yeah, freaky small world. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> say hi to him for me and thank you guys and just appreciate any airtime we can get because if we can get our name and our brand out there, then donations flow and it just makes everything a little bit easier for us. That's for sure. Yeah. Thanks so much, Kelly. Thank you, Kate, for taking the time out of your days to come and speak to us and educate us. It's been a pleasure. All right. Awesome. You Thanks take so care. Much. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. This has been Engage on UMFM 101.5 with your hosts, Josue Davi and Kate Jones. We were just speaking to Ray Resource Assistance Youth, and that was Kate and Kelly. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.